Our scripture readings from this morning come from Isaiah 1 and John 1. Isaiah 1 is on five, page 565 of your pew Bibles. This is what uh, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1. The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly, they have forsaken the Lord, they have despised the Holy One of Israel, they are utterly estranged. Why will you be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They are not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. And now John 1, page 886 in the Pew Bible. Verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Let us pray as we prepare for our sermon this morning. Our Father, we are gathered here today not as self-sufficient individuals, but as dependent children, as your children. And we confess that while the donkey, while the ox and donkey know their masters, uh, and they do not stray from the source of their sustenance, we often live as though we were independent. Grant us the grace this morning to See our need of you, for it was in your great mercy and grace that you have caused us to be born again to a living hope. While we were still sinners, you gave us the grace to believe and to receive the Lord Jesus Christ and to become your children. Yet we continue to disobey, as we have uh, even sung, we are sinners and we are thankful for Jesus, who is such a friend to sinners, that we continue to sin, and our sin often keeps us from receiving your word as we ought, and we become hardened to it. So we pray this morning, let not our sin or our stubborn desire to be independent and self-reliant keep us from hearing your word, which we are so blessed to hold in our hands nor from seeing your light, without which we are blind, 
nor from receiving Christ our Savior in the word that is preached to us. So we pray, Lord, soften our minds, soften our hearts, and enlighten our minds, for we depend entirely on you, and we live not by bread alone, but by the living and abiding word by which we have been born again, the good news that has been preached to the nations. Father, be with Nick as he brings us your word. May our ears be open. May May your spirit instruct us this morning. May it all be to your glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Good morning, everybody. I invite you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. We'll be looking at that this morning. And while you're getting there, I want to say that uh, we missed you guys last week. We were in West Virginia. It was a mini family reunion. Um, Kirsten's family is from Ohio, but they originally came from West Virginia. And there's a house that is still in the family that we go and visit, and it had been a long time. So we were there uh, last weekend, so we missed you guys, but we're glad to be back. Uh, If you've been here, we've been studying. We've been looking at the Gospel of John. This series is called The Gospel of Belief. We see that the purpose of this book is to bring us to faith in Jesus and to have life in his name, as it says in the end of the book, In John chapter 20, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe in the name, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We've learned that Jesus was always with God because he was God, he is God. We see in scripture that God is one God in three persons. And that Jesus, the Son, was with the Father in the beginning, along with the Holy Spirit. We learn that Jesus overcomes the darkness by shining his light. And we're going to get into that a little bit more this morning. Last week we learned that John the Baptist came as a witness to the light. He came to testify to who Jesus was and why he came. And uh, from what I heard about the sermon last week, we were all impressed and urged to be witnesses for Christ. And how important it is to share with others the good news, for without hearing the good news, we cannot put our trust in it. And today we're going to look at why belonging to God is essential and what gets in the way from that happening. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I have trouble with names. Does anybody have a hard time remembering names of people? Yeah. I've told some of you that our old church in California, the pastor would often say that the rule around here is you're allowed to ask someone their names as many times as it takes to remember. Now, in that church, it kind of made sense because it was, I don't know, 600 people or so at the time. And uh, sometimes it was embarrassing when you would introduce yourself to someone and you'd say, oh, you know, have, have you been here before? Oh, yeah, I've been, you know, I'm a longtime member here. Uh, but I'll say the rule is true here as well. If, uh, if you don't remember somebody, it's okay to ask until you can figure it out. Uh, But if you do have trouble with names, I've got some good news for you. I came across a story this week, uh, and the story was this. I can't remember your name, I'll just call you Steve. (laughs) Now I'm looking at Steve right now, but uh, this is good for him. But uh, the story is about this guy who was terrible with names, and he, he not only would forget names, he would forget all sorts of things. 
and he, he was actually, he was directing this uh, photo shoot. So there were these three male models. They were modeling clothes. And he just could not remember their names. So he said, all right, all your names are Steve. When I say Steve, you turn around and look at me. And it worked. They kind of got a kick out of it. The, the three Steves who were the, the models they were calling, the director Steve, they were calling the photographer Steve. And he was pleased with how this worked out. And he says, well, I wonder if this would work in my life in other ways. And he found that most of the time, if he just called men Steve, they would go along with it and they kind of got a kick out of it. And he, had, he didn't have that anxiety about forgetting people's names. But he did say, though, that it didn't work as well with women. <laughs> he didn't call them Steve, but he tried to come up with other common names. But uh, here's what would happen. He would say, he would use these different names, Rachel, Stephanie, Kelly, Sarah, Christine. But within a week or two, whoever the name was, a woman would say the following, as if reading off a cue card. You can't call me X name, because I know a girl named X, and I hate her. <laughs> so the name, the name that worked was Wendy. Uh, he found out that Wendy is not a very common name, I guess, it's almost like number 1,000 in the top list of names currently. So there aren't too many Wendy's around. But also, what do we think of when we think about the name Wendy? We think about Peter Pan, right? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasant, it's positive. So in this guy's world, everybody is Steve and everybody is Wendy. And he gets along okay. Uh, but the reason I bring that up is... The passage that we're looking at this morning is about recognizing or failing to recognize someone who is really important. We can't just go around uh, calling everyone the same name, and we can't just uh, assume that we can just call everyone the same name. That uh, there is one who came who was unique, and whose name is special, and not only his name, but who he is, and his character, and what he came to do. So we're talking about belonging to God this morning and why that's difficult, why it's not as simple as it sounds. I mean, most of the world would say, doesn't everybody belong to God? Wouldn't it be unfair for some to belong to God and other people don't? Now, if you have questions like that, you're in the right place this morning to consider who God is and what it means to belong to him, to give uh, to, to receive new clarity about this God who made us. If you've never given much thought to who belongs to God, or if that idea seems irrelevant to you, I challenge you to listen and to reconsider. I was reading the newspaper this week, and there was advice about graduates. And uh, some of you may have seen this, but it was um, advice from uh, one of the... Uh, one of the journalists who was killed in the shooting last year, but he was talking about uh, advice, and he says, always be willing to consider new ideas, but always be skeptical as well. So he's giving advice to graduates. Uh, but that is one thing that our culture values, right, is being open-minded and being willing to consider new ideas. And yes, we are reading from an old book, but it's been tested over time. And it says something about who God is and about who we are and what it means to belong to him. So it, 
if you're wondering about who God is, what it means to belong to him, I encourage you to listen this morning. Or if you feel like God has let you down, if you feel like he's far away, I urge you to look again through the lifeline, which is his word, so that we can understand who he is. So the reason why belonging to God is not easy or, or automatic is that it's a spiritual matter. We'd all like to say there's no distinction. We'd all like to say everybody's in. It's, it's much more simple that way. But God says it's a spiritual matter of belonging to him, and that's why it can be difficult. And we're going to look at this in three main ideas. God's revelation, mankind's rejection, and God's solution. So let's get into God's word this morning again. First truth, God's revelation, uh, which is the true light. Look with me at verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Again, when you think about light, you think about lighting up. We see the lights in this room lighting things up. Even better, we see the windows and the sunlight coming in. It gives light so we can look around and see one another. But this is a a metaphor of the illumination that we receive from God. And theologians put it into two categories. They call it general and special revelation. Now, it's all revelation. It's all God communicating who he is to this world. But uh, even our own doctrinal standard, the Westminster Confession of Faith, we don't talk about it that much around here. But here's what it says in chapter 1. Although the light of nature... And the works of creation and providence do so far manifest the goodness, wisdom, and power of God as to leave men without excuse, yet they are not sufficient to give that knowledge of God and of his will, which is necessary unto salvation. So when we think about God's natural revelation, it's revelation that we all have. It's it's general. When you look outside, you see the changing of the seasons You even look in your own heart at your conscience. Something or someone is telling you what's right or wrong and you can't escape it. Or when you look around and you see the order of nature, you say, this could not have happened by accident. Someone made this. Someone who is powerful and good and gives good gifts to his creation. So this is general revelation and it's important. It's what everybody has, but... Uh, as I just read, it's not, a, it's not enough um, for salvation. In other words, um, special revelation is different. Not only does it describe in more detail about right and wrong, but it speaks of the way of redemption in a world gone wrong. It's, God communi- it's God's communication to the world in order to save it. There's something that has gone wrong, even people who don't believe in God or people who are not Christians, they see that something is wrong in the world, but they don't know why it is the way it is. People have ideas about the way it is, uh, but they don't know the way that it reveals in God's word, in God's special revelation. It means that revelation from God needs to come to us in order for us to be redeemed, in order for all of creation to be redeemed, we need some news from outside of us. But we see here that Jesus is the true light. He's the true light that has come into the world. Uh, it's true not just uh, in distinction from what is false, but what is ultimate, 
General revelation is light from God. Special revelation, his word, is light to us. But God's full and final and perfect revelation is Jesus Christ. It's in him that we see who we are. It's in him that we see who God is. We learn again that light illuminates. But when it says that the true light gives light to everyone, it means that Jesus is the clearest, brightest revelation from God. We'll see later as we get through the Gospel of John that Jesus is often speaking about his Father. He's often speaking about what his Father is like. And when Jesus came in his speaking and in his doing, he's revealing who the Father is. He's revealing his love. He's revealing his power. He's revealing his ability to bring in the outcast, even those who the world has put to the side, or perhaps the people who have power and authority, Jesus is willing to bring those people in because it's the will of his Father to bring people in. So Jesus is special, he's unique, and he he gives light. He's the light of God coming into the world, and this speaks of the incarnation, the fact that God became man in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He's always existed, but 2,000 years ago, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, which we'll learn about next week uh, in more detail. But Jesus has come in flesh and blood to, to live among us, to live in this world. That's what happened 2,000 years ago. Uh, if, kids, if you've been around here for VBS, what's the song that we would always sing as we leave? Everybody get walking. Jesus is the light. He's the light. He's the one who speaks. He's the one who gives light to us. He's the one, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. Look at his, listen to his word. Look at what he did. There is a place for you in God's house, in God's family. Um, He's the light that gives light to everyone. This means that it is for everybody. You may not think of yourself as a church person. You may not think of yourself as a Bible-reading person. Uh, some of you uh, who have matured in your faith, you can look back and see the time when you weren't interested in the Lord and God got a hold of your life and now you're interested in him. Jesus gives light to all people. Again, we'll see throughout the Gospel of John that Jesus is interacting with different kinds of people. When he reveals himself, when he speaks, some people don't like it. Actually, a lot of people don't like it. But some, when their hearts are open, they're able to see who he really is. And they're able to become God's children. But you would think, though, that the clearest, brightest revelation from God in the person of Jesus Christ would be obvious to all. Wouldn't you? If Jesus is the true light that gives light to every man, you would think, why doesn't everybody believe it? Why doesn't everybody see it? It's kind of like if I have a discussion with someone about who the greatest basketball player of all time. You would think that everybody would see. Michael Jordan, of course. <laughs> Obviously, I shouldn't even have to say it, right? Uh, but, but that, I don't want to talk about that later. Uh, but Jesus is a true light. You would think that if he is it, and, and this is the, the question that a lot of people, our friends in this world who are not Christians, they say, if Jesus really is the way to God, how come everybody doesn't believe it? Right? How come it's not obvious to all? Well, 
Look at verse 10. He was in the world, that being Jesus, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. There's something wrong. There's something that is wrong inside of us. You ever, we hear the joke about uh, a guy breaking up with his girlfriend, and in a way to soften it, what does he say? It's not you, it's me. Uh, but here, God, in his love and in telling the truth, he says, uh, it's not me, it's you. We have the problem. We're the ones who push God away. We're the ones who, in the, the true light, we don't want to see it. And it reveals that there is something wrong uh, within us. Mankind is spiritually blind. Physically, we can see. Most of us, some of us, our, our eyes are, are getting weaker and we need to get new prescriptions. But even if you have the best, perfect eyesight, uh, spiritually speaking, we don't see as we ought. And that's what's so deceptive. We can be strong. We can have good vision. We can have wealth and status. But if God doesn't give us a new heart, if God doesn't give you a new heart with new desires, you cannot see things as you should see them. You do not see clearly as you ought to see. And that's what is so uh, uh, vexing about sin. That's what is so vexing about unbelief is that you should see things clearly, but you don't. And it requires that we humble ourselves and see things the way that God would have us see them. Verse 11 says, He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. In the immediate context, it's speaking about Israel, the children of Israel, the ones who received the covenants, the ones who received the promises from God, the ones who were led out of slavery into the promised land to belong to him, to thrive, to be his people, to be a light to the nations. But as we see the testimony of Scripture, we see that they did not live up to that. They did not always love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength and their neighbor as themselves. They put other gods before the one true God, they wanted life, but they did not go to the God who made them for life. They tried to find other gods that they could manipulate so that they could receive the good life. And friends, don't we do this? Uh, if we're honest, we can admit that we are sometimes disappointed with God. Sometimes we don't listen to his word. Sometimes we try to take care of things on our own because it's the way that we live in other areas of our life. If we're going to be happy, we're going to take care of it. And we forget that God is the one who loves us and who guides us each day. He guides us through those disappointments. And we push him away. But it's spiritual blindness, as we heard earlier, Isaiah chapter 1. The ox knows his owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. God as a loving father is lamenting over this these people that he has loved, these people that he has cared for, they don't know him. And this is evidence that there is a broken relationship between God and people. It goes against this popular idea that all people are good. I was just reading a book this week, one of the presidential candidates. Uh, she, she ends her book and she says, my fundamental belief is that all people are good. I don't know what she thinks about those who disagree with her, but 
All people are fundamentally good is what she says. And it's not only her, it's what most people say. Because to, th- to think about the opposite is unpleasant. It separates people. It's, it's hard. It's a hard message to receive that we are not naturally born into God's family. That we are not, not all naturally good and right. Friends, brothers and sisters, it is why there is so much confusion in our world. We think that everything is natural, right? Sexuality, any kind. If, if this is natural, if everything that we see and experience, if every desire that arises in our heart is natural, uh, then why, why, is, why are there laws? Why are there restrictions of any kind? Who's to restrict our own heart if what is coming out of my heart is completely natural? The news is hard, but it, is, it leads to good news. But it's humbling. It's humbling to admit that even if you have the whole world, what did Jesus say? What good is it to gain the whole world and yet lose your soul? You can be rich. You can have status. You can have a family that adores you. But to not be right with God is to have the fundamental problem of your life not fixed. Everyone needs fixing. And, you know, a lot of us say, hey, nobody's perfect. It's more than that. Our relationship with God is broken because we have rejected our creator. We have said, I want the things that you can give me, but I don't want you. I don't want your authority over my life. So, that's the bad news. The fact that our relationship with God is broken and you, you need to accept that. You need to look at the evidence around you. Everybody sees or should see that this world is broken. Everyone should see that our hearts are not right and we don't naturally follow God. Humble yourself. Accept that diagnosis. Accept the fact that naturally we don't belong to God. There needs to be Spiritual adoption. And this is the third truth. This is God's solution. Verse 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Again, it's a, it's a right. You know, as Americans, we think about our rights, right? Uh, we all belong. But here, becoming a child of God, belonging to God, in a saving relationship with him is a right. It's something that we can't earn, but God has earned for us in Jesus Christ. He gives us the right. It means that we receive him. Again, this is contrasting those who Jesus came to, his own people. Jesus came to his own, but his own did not receive him. And we're the same way, whether Jew or Gentile, none of us naturally chooses God. But the contrast is to all who received him, to all who trust in him, to all who trust in who he is and what he has done for us to make us God's children. And again, this is, this is a universal call. Some people say Christianity is so exclusive. We do have beliefs. We do have um, what we believe about God, and we do have what we believe about ourselves. But right here it says, all 
but to all who received him. This news is for every single person. Everyone who will come may come. I say to every single person in this room, believe in Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Trust in him. Look to him. Don't say to yourself, God could never save me. Don't say to yourself, I'm not that kind of person. Don't say to yourself, how could you forgive me? Who are you to say something above God's authority and his word? I say this to you, if you are not a Christian and you're considering these things for the first time, or if you're a Christian and you sometimes struggle with doubts arising in your own heart, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. You don't even have authority to say who you are. (laughs) Christians don't have that authority. Non-Christians do not have that authority. We need to come to our creator to know who we are. But he says, to those who believe in his name. Now, the the name of Jesus is not some magic word. I think that sometimes when when we sit down and we pray before we eat, right? How do we always end our prayer? In Jesus' name. Um, that is good to do. Continue to do that. But to pray in his name, it's not just, it's not a magic word. The name of Jesus represents his character. Yesterday I was reading in the book of Genesis about Hagar. Do you know the story? Hagar was the one who conceived Sarah, wasn't able to have children. Abraham, God had given them the promise that they would have children and that their offspring would bless the whole world. And no child came, so Sarah said, uh, take my servant Hagar and have children through her. And she conceived, and it says that when she conceived, uh, Hagar began to despise Sarah. And Sarah goes back to Abraham complaining, you know, that this is what's happening. So Sarah sends her away. And remember, she's in the desert. She's by herself. And the angel of the Lord comes to her and, and speaks to her and says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. Go back to your mistress. Go back to Sarah. And it's interesting. It says that Hagar gave the Lord a name. She says, So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, You are a God of seeing, or you are the God who sees me. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Isn't that interesting that Hagar would give the Lord a name? She called the name of the Lord, the Lord who sees me, because she had this experience. The Lord came and spoke to her and comforted her and guided her. And brothers and sisters, this is what God does for you and for me. The name of Jesus means the Lord saves. Matthew one twenty one, You shall call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. This is the name of Jesus. Speak his name, but also remember his character. Memorize his word. Remember who he is. Remember the tenderness when he spoke to the woman at the well. Remember his boldness when he he overturned the tables. Remember his power and his grace. The way that he had mercy on people when people were calling to him from the road. People who had uh, no, uh, no standing blind people who are calling out to Jesus for help. He has mercy on them. So friends, 
We've got to become God's children. Um, Jesus is the true light of revelation from God. We reject that light. We reject God's knowledge. But what's the solution? We've got to become his children through faith. Again, this last section about um, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but born of God. Um, People become children in this world naturally, right? Sometimes, uh, you know, the parents, they plan out when they're going to have children. Sometimes it works that way. Sometimes it doesn't. but John here is telling us that to be born of God, to belong to God, is, is spiritual. We need to become God's children through faith in Jesus, through trust in him. So wrapping up and, and moving to the Lord's table, which we're about to partake of together. Have you become a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ? It's a fundamental question. Are you trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you realize that in yourself... You have no status before God except to to receive his just condemnation. Have you seen God's kindness and his mercy in Jesus? And do you come to God through him to become his child? Uh, If you haven't, I invite you to come to him today. Put your trust in him. He is willing to forgive you and save you. Become God's child today through faith in Jesus. If you have become a child of God, are you living out of that identity today? Or have you been tempted to live out of another identity? Are you tempted to live out of another status? Are you trying to build a kingdom for yourself in this world, but you kind of have Jesus on the side? Jesus is everything. He is the true light. This is what it says about the children of God in Ephesians 5. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. This is our great calling. This is our destiny. This is our joy as the children of God to shine our light for him. To be new people to belong to him. And what about as a church? Are we living out this identity as the children of God? Or do we value other measures of status as greater than this? Uh, I thank God that we are a welcoming church that each week as we have New people, as we have visitors, people are welcomed in. But may we never be a church that is for a certain kind of social status or a certain kind of wealth status, that we would work hard and that we would labor and that we would desire that all people would come in, no matter how much money they have, no matter what their background is. We want to be an example that we have come from a variety of backgrounds, None of us can say that we deserve to belong here. It's by God's grace that we are here, that we are his children. So as we prepare for the table, uh, think about this. You remember the disciples on the road to Emmaus? They were disappointed, they were discouraged, and Jesus came to them, but they didn't recognize Jesus. So they're walking and talking, and they say, didn't you just hear what happened? Didn't you know what has happened in Jerusalem? Uh, and uh, Jesus walks with them, and he explains to them their hardness of heart, their slowness to believe the promises of God. And he begins to explain throughout all the scriptures all the passages concerning him. And it's great because it shows us that the whole Old Testament is about Jesus, all pointing forward to him. But do you remember when they finally recognized him? 
When he, Jesus, was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open and they recognized him. Brothers and sisters, we're about to partake of the Lord's Supper together. And God's will for you and for me is to see Jesus in the bread and in the cup. That we would see the love of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus, the long-suffering of Jesus for us to make us his children. So that you would be encouraged, so that you would live for him. That you would live in him and through him this week. So let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for this word that we have received. That, Jesus, you are the true light that gives light to every single person. Everyone who hears your word uh, sees what God is like. And when we see you, Jesus, we see the Father. We pray now, Lord, as we, as we partake, as we commune with you and as we commune with one another, that you would help us that you would be present with us, that we would love Jesus more than our very own lives, and that he would be our all in all. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen.